Hello. Hello. Hi, guys. <laughs> Long time no see. It feels so weird to have a break in our episode weekly releases. I apologize. And when you hear why there was a break, you will understand. It makes perfect sense. Before we do that, I do want to do a little bit of housekeeping. I am currently in Salida, Colorado. I am around mile 250 or so, which is so crazy. I only have two weeks left, 14 days. We're going to be done by the Sunday after next. I can't even grasp that right now. It's funny because when you're in it, you feel like you can't really look beyond the next day. So every night, Val and I do a map review. <laughs> so we will be in our tents separately at our campsite. And one of us will just start looking at our map. And it usually turns out to be the time that the other person's also looking at the map without truly realizing it. <laughs> I would also love to introduce the character of Val because this is someone new to the cast of characters on the Colorado Trail. I have been with Val for the last, honestly, I think today's day nine. Today is my 17th day on the Colorado Trail, and I'm pretty sure that I met her nine days ago. So what happened is I was with Alex, and then we got to Breckenridge, and I decided I wanted to slack pack and run segment seven of the trail, which it's what I now know is called a PUD, a pointless up and down. And it really is. You climb like 3,000 feet and then drop 3,000 feet down the other side to get to Copper Mountain. So I decided I wanted to slack pack it with Callie. So my friend Callie from Boulder came into town. We ran the segment and I honestly had so much fun without really, I, I would say I realized it. It was like, I kind of, I had the epiphany that I think I've been approaching the Colorado Trail wrong and that I need to find a way to add more fun to it. I think I actually talked about this on the last, last episode. I think I was in Breckenridge when I recorded that episode. I truly do need to find a way to add more fun. And I have. I'm having a lot more fun now than I did my first like five days. I have figured out how to... I think approach the day differently. It gets a little scary when you start the day and you're like, okay, I have 20 miles and I need to climb over four passes. And if I don't do that, we're not going to finish in time. Like it's, it gets really scary. And so I was alone after slack packing segment seven. And I was honestly very happy to be alone. I hadn't been alone in quite a while. I really value my alone time, especially as an introvert. I need alone time to think and recharge and work through stuff. And I didn't really get the opportunity to do that. So I was completely alone. I, I leave Copper Mountain. I have a full day of solitude, climbing up passes, whatever. I camp after taking a shower in a waterfall. And the next morning... I am in my tent and I start packing all my stuff. I pop my head out and there's a girl walking down the trail and I smile. I wave, I say, hi, good morning. And she's like, oh my God, I know you. And I was like, oh Jesus Christ. Okay. <laughs> and she's like, 
I was listening to your podcast yesterday going up and over Breck. I was like, oh my God, no fucking way. So that's how I met Val. And basically we started walking together and we have not left each other since. I absolutely adore Val. I feel like she's my older sister. We have a lot of very similar characteristics. She is also a Sagittarius. She is an Enneagram 3. She's an introvert. There's just so many little things that we have in common and we just get along. Us and our Sag luck. There have been many times where we thought we were completely screwed and our Sag luck came through for us. So Val has become one of my favorite people. I think she's kind of meant to be in my life in the same way that my friend Kira or Tess or Maddie are. She's just one of my just one of my little platonic soulmates. I love it. So we get along really well as you can tell from nine days of being together almost nonstop. In kind of a circular way that brings us back to why the pod was late last week okay you guys and I'm really sorry again I know you guys count on the pod I'm probably grossly overestimating the number of people who rely on this pod to get through their week but in my brain you guys really love the pod and you get really sad when I don't post it in time it's a lot of responsibility but if anybody can handle it it's mostly me okay so we get to Twin Lakes. So Val and I, for the pre the five days leading up to getting to Twin Lakes. So Twin Lakes is the town that's after Leadville. So there's Leadville and then it's like 50-ish miles to Twin Lakes. So for us, that was two and a half days. The whole two and a half days, we kept talking about Twin Lakes. We said, we're going to get this done in Twin Lakes. We're going to get this done. We're going to do this. We're going to grab this. We're going to eat this. Like, Twin Lakes, in our mind, was just the holy grail of getting chores done and just getting our shit together, truly. So, we get to Twin Lakes, and we immediately get food from these food trucks. We have service for the first time in a while, and we start hanging out, playing on our phones, whatever, and then we run into one of my trail friends, Jinx. So, we run into Jinx start talking to Jinx and, you know, get a little distracted. And then Jinx leaves. We go to the Twin Lakes Visitor Center and we go in there and we ask the guy how the weather's going to look over the Collegiate West. So when you get to Twin Lakes, you have the option to do the Collegiate East, which is the traditional segment of the Colorado Trail, or you can take the West route, which is on the CDT. And it's amazing. Like the views are amazing. Everyone always says the Collegiate West is some of the best views on the CT, like on the entire Colorado Trail. Some of the best views are on the Collegiate West. So we already had our hearts kind of set on going Collegiate West, regardless of the weather. However, the problem with the Collegiate West is that it's so exposed that thunderstorms are even more of a danger. Truly the most dangerous part of being on the Colorado Trail, it's not the wildlife It is the lightning and the thunder. So we knew that we would have to get a read on the weather. But things, honestly, we kind of knew they weren't going to be looking too great before we even went in there. Go into the visitor center and the guy at the desk says, oh, you want me to check the weather? I have a degree in meteorology. I'm like, oh, great. Okay. He looks at it and he says, yeah, that's that's not good, you guys. (laughs) He tells us. If you 
decide to go Collegiate West regardless. Just get up super early, be done hiking by somewhere between 12 and 3, and everything's going to be totally fine. So Val and I hear that, and we're like, sweet, okay, yeah, we're going Collegiate West, like, sounds good to us. We go to Leadville. Okay, so here's where we get tricked. We leave the visitor center and immediately run into two of my other trail friends, Mel and Starbucks, who Val had also happened to meet at the bivy after me. So before she met me, she met Mel and Starbucks. They chatted, whatever. So the second that we step out of the visitor center, we run into Mel and Starbucks. Mel and Starbucks managed to convince us to go stay with them in Leadville because there was nothing available in Twin Lakes. So Val and I... <laughs> We all end up hitching a ride. I have hitchhiked more times on this trip than I have in my entire life. And honestly, it's kind of fun. It's fairly dangerous, I would say. I would never hitchhike in Los Angeles. But being in little trail towns, I actually think that hitchhiking is really, really fun. I go into the Twin Lakes General Store. I sweet talk some people. I get us all rides to Leadville. So we get to Leadville and we go to our Airbnb. Everyone's hanging out. We go get food. It's just a nightmare and it's nothing like Val and I had planned on like Val and I said Twin Lakes was going to be where we got our shit together so how in the world did we end up in Leadville with Melon Starbucks just messing around all day so this was Tuesday so by the time I got my grocery resupply done it was 10 p.m. I still had to edit and uh, upload my YouTube videos for the next four days there was just a lot of work behind the scenes that needed to be done in the podcast, finding a quiet place to record. It was already dark outside, spending 30 minutes to an hour talking and then editing it. The whole thing was just, it felt very overwhelming and hence why it got pushed to the wayside last week. The bright side though, if you love this podcast and you like hearing from me, I am doing daily vlogs on my YouTube channel that I'm trying to promote, even though I literally hate self-promotion and it makes my skin crawl. So don't you worry, there is always more content from me for you. So that is the long-winded explanation of why the podcast is late. I am planning on this being a short podcast as well. I think probably the rest of the trail is going to have to be short pods because this is, I'm, I am at my bandwidth trying to get everything done when I'm in town. But when I am back off the trail, I think in two weeks, we will be done with the trail tales. So that's kind of insane. I did have a couple topics I wanted to touch on today that I was fairly excited about. If you follow me on Instagram, then you probably saw my post last night about fueling and calorie counting on the trail. I have been super, super open on this podcast about a lot of things. I have told you guys about my history of like mental health, dis like just disorders and all kinds of weird stuff that happens when you're super stressed out and your brain chemistry freaks out. So I told you about struggling with disordered eating. I haven't talked a ton about this on the pod and it's something I would love to dedicate a longer episode to because it's so convoluted and it touches so many of our lives, like male or female. A lot of us deal with weird food issues and body image issues and body dysmorphia, et cetera, et cetera. Being on the trail has very much changed my perspective on food. This is the year of me finding a way through my disordered eating 
in a healthy way. I don't feel like I'm redirecting my almost fear of food. I'm kind of heading it straight on. One of the biggest factors of this has definitely been hanging out with professional athletes at quite a few events this year. For example, at the GoRuck Games, I stayed in an athlete house and I actually stayed with my nutritionist. So Corinna Coffin is my dietitian and I actually stayed in the same house as Corinna. We literally went grocery shopping together and it was so, it's one thing to hear how you're supposed to eat and one thing to see it. So seeing Corinna really walk the walk, talk the talk of carbs are carbs you need to eat as much as you can during these events and seeing the way that she fuels her events it was really really not even inspirational but just informational I guess and then there were a bunch of other athletes in the house everyone's just eating all the time that is the main key point I have learned from professional athletes I do not know professional athletes who are restricting themselves because if you're going to push your body to the limit you need to fuel it. It, it. it makes perfect sense. It's it's baffling that we get so caught up in this disordered eating world of if we're lighter, we'll be faster and we'll perform better when that's just not ever been the case. Like I can name so many people who I have watched eat in a day and I'm like, oh, like no wonder you guys are such good athletes. Like your body has so much fuel. You're filling your body adequately. Incredible. Being on the trail is definitely tough because we are burning so many calories that it's really difficult to keep up with expenditure. So I am trying my best to eat somewhere between 3,000 and 4,000 calories a day. Problem, however, is that it is difficult to eat when you're carrying a heavy pack. You feel kind of sick, honestly. Like, it's funny because it goes both ways. So some people say they get hiker hunger, which is where they're just completely ravenous all the time. And then other people feel almost nothing. So I forced Valerie. I didn't force her, but I, we, I started my calorie count. She was like, ooh, I should probably see what I eat in a day. Homegirl was literally eating like 1,500 calories and doing 20 miles a day. And she was like, oh, shit. <laughs> all of this is to say that sometimes calorie counting can be from a place of abundance rather than restriction. Everybody downloaded MyFitnessPal in like high school and was told they had to eat 1200 calories to lose 10 pounds in a month or whatever, which is extremely infuriating and frankly reckless. My stance on food for the last couple of years has been that nothing's off limits. There's no restrictions. Uh, I call it I learned about it from a book called The Anti-Diet that really kind of changed my life. But finding a way to work through my body image issues and just accept my body as an instrument, it's a tool. It is a vehicle to get me places. It allows me to do all of these fun things rather than something to be objectified, something to be looked at. That has been a very difficult lesson, especially when you, this happens a lot. Women especially are told that our image and our appearance is the only valuable thing about us. I feel like my entire life, I've basically been told my worth is in my body or how I look, which it's so harmful and damaging. I would say it is as harmful as being on the opposite end of the spectrum. Why, why does our body even have to be a factor in our value at all? It's just, it's, it's so infuriating. 
regardless, I am definitely learning to work through a lot of that on the trail, especially because we are just trying to get in as many calories as we can. It doesn't matter what they are. So a general principle for through hikers is you want 50% of your calories come from carbohydrates, 35% to come from fats, and 15% from protein. That is a lot of carbs. <laughs> you have to eat a lot of carbs. You're basically fueling an endurance event for an entire month or mo- or longer. I mean, if you're doing the PCT, you'll be out there for five months. I was already fairly sick of endurance fuel food prior to coming into this just because of all my endurance events. But I'm, I'm finding things that I really enjoy eating. I really like the Belvedas. I look forward to my Pop-Tarts for breakfast every morning. I like the Carnation breakfast essentials with coffee mixed in. I am finding ways to still enjoy food on the trail. And it's been nice to just have zero restrictions whatsoever and know that my body needs calories. Calories a calorie, calories a calorie. It is very healing to be able to approach food like that. So I'm definitely grateful for the opportunity to work through some more of that disordered eating type behavior on the trail. Another thing about being on the trail that's really good for this disordered eating thing, but also maybe really bad, is the fact that there's no mirrors. We have next to no idea what our bodies look like, what we look like. I am vlogging every day, so I at least have to look at myself in a camera every day. But I'm not looking at a mirror and picking apart my appearance every day. This is actually something I noticed when I lived in the van, too, because I didn't have mirrors in there. And I just had my mirror at my CrossFit gym where I would shower sometimes. It's truly out of sight, out of mind with this kind of thing. And I'll look down at like my calves. I feel like my calves look huge. In all actuality, they probably haven't changed at all despite everything we're doing. Um, And I'm like, oh my God, my calves look really big from this angle. Like my clothes are a little loose. There's just, you really have no idea of telling what you look like. And honestly, it doesn't freaking matter, right? So that is what I am learning on the Colorado Trail. That is what the Colorado Trail is teaching me about my body and my function in this world. And I am loving this lesson from the universe and I really needed it. So it's been very healing. Another topic I wanted to bring up because someone DM'd me and they said, girl, I just broke up with my boyfriend of three and a half years and it it seems fresh. So I have been very open about my relationship stuff on this podcast, hence the Jesus Boys episode. (laughs) But I also went through a three and a half year relationship where I ended up breaking up with him and then, yeah, went on a whole thing. And now here we are. The girl was asking for advice on getting over this breakup. How do you find yourself in this new world? I think she said she was moving to a new city. It, it was just very, very similar to where I was in July 2020. Mac of July 2020 broke up with her boyfriend went oh my god it's such a literal nightmare but like ended up going on a date later that month and like kind of ended up in this situationship type thing it was so bad dude it's insane that 
a three and a half year relationship could end and you can immediately deflect onto a situationship that lasts like one month and just be totally hung up on it. Literally the reason I swore off men was because of this situationship. It was so toxic. So I'm going to give you the advice that I did not have myself when I was reeling from that breakup. Um, First of all, girl, you need to be alone. So please, for the love of God, do not go on any dates. (laughs) Okay, you just moved to a new city. You're starting a new job. You need to focus on yourself and focus on your career. I did six months because I felt like I needed six months to cleanse my soul from that awful situationship. And I am realizing even now, I was in Boulder a couple weeks ago and I was actually hanging out with my ex. He drove us to the start of the Colorado Trail. We're really good friends. Like things are really good between us. We're very civil, very good friends. He's someone who is always going to be a part of my life. But just being in Boulder, which is where we broke up, it it was very raw. I felt very vulnerable. I felt like almost triggered. It was so, he like gave me a hug and I started sobbing that night. It was just very triggering. And I'm starting to realize that maybe there's some stuff I really haven't processed even from two years ago. All I have to do while I'm out here is just walk and think. And there has been a lot of stuff that's kind of come up and Something that stuck with me that I would really love to share with you. I was listening to the Good For You podcast by Wendy Cummings. She's hilarious if you haven't heard it. It's highly inappropriate. So if you're like a young girl, which is my typical audience, maybe don't listen to it because she just gets drunk with other comedians and it's hilarious. However, Whitney is one of the most emotionally intelligent people that I've ever listened to. Something that she said that really resonated with me is... If your heart is going to break, make sure it breaks open. Keeping an open heart while also setting really good boundaries and protecting yourself is, it's difficult. (laughs) It is something I am struggling with all the time. I find that I either tend to go too extreme, I'm too open hearted or I'm too closed off of my friends actually gave me the nicest compliment I've ever heard. So we were talking about making new friends and he was like, how do you have so many new friends on this trail? How are you meeting people all the freaking time? I was like, well, you know me, like I just like people. I like being around people. He was like, that's true. I think you let people show you who they are and you accept them before that. (laughs) And then you kind of let them determine your relationship. He said that instead of people having to earn my respect, they have to earn my disrespect, which I think that's a good and a bad thing. I am definitely very welcoming and open-hearted. And I do. I like to let people show me who they are. I accept people right off the bat, but if they don't turn out to be good people, then I don't have a problem with setting a boundary. The problem lies when you don't value yourself enough really to set a boundary. And I didn't fully understand that it was a lack of self-valuation that led me to setting poor boundaries with people. Boundaries have been the theme of my last two years, truly. I 
reading the book Boundaries by, I think, Henry Townsend was kind of what sparked my breakup with my ex at the time. And I realized I needed to have better boundaries with the people in my life. I needed to protect myself and I needed to not let things slide. Boundaries are something I'm going to be working on my entire life, but I feel like I've made just vast improvements I recognize my own needs and wants, and I don't let someone else lead me astray from that. So I'm getting a lot better at protecting myself. Lots of inner child work going on as well. I love inner child stuff, but as a general principle, I am getting better at setting boundaries. Getting over breakups is so painful, and I just, maybe that's the reason why I haven't really allowed myself to be open with anybody I've dated in the last two years. I'm an open book with friends. I love strangers. Friends and family are great. But the second it's like a romantic relationship, there's something in my brain that is like, this is not safe. Intimacy is not safe. You should not be doing this. So I tend to seek out emotionally unavailable men, whatever. We, we know this. I have talked about this before. It's me and my weird style of communicating that leads emotionally unavailable men to think that I am a safe place for them but I'm changing. <laughs> I have come to quite a few epiphanies on the Colorado Trail. The first being that I want to move back to Los Angeles. I love Los Angeles. It's my home. I love my community. I think I belong there. Another one of these epiphanies is epiphany I had a day or two ago. And I realized when I go back to Los Angeles, I think I want to go back to just being a demon. And I know that this sounds like it contradicts my open heart thing. However, in my frame of mind, me being a demon does not mean I'm dating. <laughs> my demon energy means I'm going to hang out with my friends. I am going to dance really hard. I'm going to keep focusing on running and sport. And if anybody wants to be a part of my life, they are going to have to work pretty damn hard. One, because I'm very busy. <laughs> I cannot even express to you all how overwhelmed I feel with being a content creator when I come into towns and I am terrified to imagine what that will look like when I'm back in Los Angeles especially if I'm working part-time then again I won't be walking for 10 to 12 hours a day and I will have more time to put stuff together but regardless when I come into town I'm very stressed out because I have to upload usually a couple days worth of vlogs I've started daily vlogging and it's really really fun and I love it but it is a ton of work I also have general things to keep up on, on Instagram, TikTok, this podcast, whatever. It's a lot. I didn't really realize how much work went into truly being a content creator because I've just been a little TikToker for long enough that it's like, ah, oh, you know, keeping up on TikTok's easy. But then all this other stuff gets really out of control. So somebody is going to have to work damn hard to stay in my life, especially when I'm part-time, especially when I am full-time content creating. Uh, my plan right now, going back to work, I was offered a part-time position at my job back so I don't have to go back full-time. And it's probably going to be three days a week, so I'll have an extra two days a week to do my content and run and train and do all those things. I imagine I will not be spending a ton of time in Santa Monica, but who's really to say what the next year of my life is going to look like? Because every single time I try to make a plan, everything goes upside down. Having 
really severe constraints on your time and energy does allow you to set way stricter boundaries with the people in your life. You have to be choosier about who you're spending that time and energy with. You're setting better boundaries. I can honestly say I am a much better person for going through that breakup. I think my ex would agree that he's way happier and he's in a much better place as well. We are still really good friends. It's possible to stay civil if you guys don't hate each other at the end of the relationship. If you end things on good terms and you go no contact for at least six months, probably, you can actually develop a friendship with an ex. I know it's shocking, but I am not somebody who hates my exes. I think that my college ex is probably my favorite ex, <laughs> but going through a breakup, it's just hard. It brings up a lot of attachment issues. If you have family, if, you, if your parents are divorced, it does bring up some of that trauma fresh. There's a lot of things that I am still processing from that breakup that I am carrying forward with me into the rest of my life, I guess. I think we all get these little, it's like a paper cut. You get a little paper cut every time something kind of traumatic and damaging happens. It's a paper cut that doesn't heal. <laughs> so you have these like almost permanent paper cuts on you forever. And you have to learn how to A, acknowledge that you have this little bit of trauma and it might be affecting the way that you view relationships and intimacy. And B, you also have to find someone who doesn't trigger the pain of those paper cuts or if they do they're capable of alleviating it and soothing it if that makes sense basically it is your responsibility to date someone who is healthy for you and is secure and can handle your emotions and reactions and triggers and trauma with grace it's, it's an equal part thing of doing the healing, working on yourself, acknowledging these issues, but also finding somebody who doesn't trigger them, really. And that's where I keep getting stuck because I don't date men who are emotionally intelligent. I date men who are incapable of intimacy. So it's really, it's, it's great. It's like a childhood wound. I just keep reopening. <laughs> but I am getting better. And I think self-awareness is the key to everything. I think being self-aware unlocks a lot of tools and things and resources that you can use to heal and make your life as a human being on this planet with triggers a little bit easier every day. So on that note, the post office opens in 15 minutes <laughs> and your girl has to send back a backpack because I bought a new freaking pack. I... I will do a gear review after the Colorado Trail, but that pack is so dead to me. You have no idea. We are heading back out onto the trail at 8.15. I am so excited to be back out in the wilderness with probably no service for the next couple of days. It's been a little stressful getting everything done. I did manage to get everything done. I'm stoked. There are daily vlogs for the next five days and the podcast will be up and I feel like I've done all my due diligence, which is very exciting. So I am always so happy to like see you guys, hear from you guys. I am sorry that the pod has not been the consistent masterpiece that I've wanted, but I am actually proud that I am releasing this imperfect product into the world because as a recovering perfectionist, this would be utterly fucking terrifying. 
I love you all. I have so many more trail tales I should have told, but again, very short time frame I was working with today. So I appreciate all of you for listening to this podcast. I appreciate that you are hanging with me while I do this podcast from the trail. And I'm sorry we missed last week. I missed you guys. I love you all. And I hope that you're inspired to do some gremlin ass shit this week. Okay. I love you. Be you. Set some goddamn boundaries. Don't let people push you around. Stop being a people pleaser, but maybe be a little bit of a people pleaser because it's, it's, it makes you like a good person sometimes. And oh, standing up was very painful. Know your worth, baby. You are the only you. There's nobody like you. You are unique and an individual and you have power in your individuality. Okay. So I love you. Have an amazing week. We will chat next week. If you want to keep up with me, go check out the vlog, please. I'm working on the YouTube thing. Subscribe to the channel, like the videos. Please leave comments. I'm so tired of the men leaving comments on my video. It's so creepy. Part of why I kind of hate doing YouTube and I'm trying to grow to like it. (laughs) You can follow me on YouTube or on TikTok, Instagram, follow the podcast, all of these things. Okay. So I love you guys. Have a great week. Okay. Send it to your hottest friend as always in your mom. Tell her I love her. Okay. Bye.